One day I'll learn the name of the podcast. <laughs> All right, let's do this. I know we're recording. Mike Sachs in there. He's going to give me the thumbs up because it gives me so much confidence when I see that little hand pop up. It's important affirmation. It is. It's basically like an I love you from the uh, director's room there. Hey guys, welcome into another episode of Can I Steal You for a Second? We are officially dealing with the aftermath of Peter's season, post-bachelor life. We're in a post-bachelor world now. Well, uh, not really, temporarily. Not, it's, <laughs> it's never a post-bachelor world, which is kind of what I want to talk about today. Yeah. Um, we have the opportunity to talk with Alex Stern, who is a casting producer for Unscripted Television. But before we get to her interview, something that I know you and I are really interested in is this pseudo-celebrity, I would say even real celebrity, for some of the contestants that are involved in Bachelor Nation and how their Instagram following just explodes. Once you get that taste of, you know, Bachelor life, you're set. You can do the gummies. You can do the fit (laughs) tea. Like, your opportunities to, you know, make a living through your social media explodes. And I know, Shay, that you have some of the numbers here pulled from some of Peter's season, and it blew my... To see the concrete numbers blew my mind. The the jumps are absurd. But before we get into that, I do want to say I feel like the women get a little bit of a tough rap here. And like maybe this is just, you know, reality in the world that we live in. But I feel like contestants on The Bachelor get hit with the like you're just here for the Instagram followers more than men on The Bachelorette do. And like the spawn con may be different. But if we're if we're coming at people for their motivations, I feel like we should be equal opportunity here. Mm-hmm. Uh, men want to be influencers as bad as women do. <laughs> um, but any, in any it case, it's a little easier, a little less Facetune going on, right? Yeah, speculation, of course, on my part. Yeah, but. It's, it, I feel like there are different uh, values or assets or whatever. But you know, equally um, upsetting when you get down to it. Anyways, numbers <laughs> though. The jumps that some of these women had and not even making it that far on the season are absurd, especially um, as someone who has never, I could not tell you how many followers I have, probably very few, but also <laughs> like it's not something that I think about daily. Madison, um, maybe unsurprisingly uh, and potentially also indicative of the uh, actual target audience of The Bachelor, um, had the highest growth by far she has before the uh finale she was posting 1.3 million followers which for some perspective is the number of followers that peter had when he started the season of the bachelor Mm -hmm. so she is in prime like bachelor nation top tier follower like domination right now yeah well just absurd and like for the creepy record you know we were like let's do a little experiment yeah let's see so we started um with the numbers that these contestants had on january 1st of 2020 and madison only had 36 points only. only. I say that as someone who has like yet to hit like 800. Peasant number of 36. <laughs> she only had 36.6 thousand followers. And we tracked it until, you know, before the right before the Tuesday finale, mm-hmm. which she clocked in at 1.3 million, like you yeah. said. And that it, she basically gained a million followers over the span of what? A couple months? Yeah. Insane. Insane numbers. And for better or worse, read into what you will. But Hannah Ann, who is also there, the final two. Read that Arguably, so she was the savage. final Don't one. walk away from that comment. Read into that what you will. <laughs> okay, Shay. Okay. I mean, I, I have been team Hannah Ann since the jump. But she had 83 to begin with, 83,000, and was at 760,000 at the end. Which, again, we throw these numbers out there like we can pass judgment on them when they're not 
absurd followings. But it's just like you see Madison's 1.3, and I just I just want to underscore that like the degree to which that is exceptional is like even compared to her second her her co co finalist like she is blowing she has like mm, what is the math there five hundred thousand more followers than the yeah. next person on that season that is insane yeah even, that's not pennies there yeah um, but you don't even have to make it to the final two. No, you? no, you don't. And that's what blows my mind is that like, I'm seriously considering, and this is something we talked to Alex about, which we'll get to her interview later is when you're casting these shows, you know, it's not just a matter of clout and feeling good about yourself and getting the likes. Like these are lucrative business deals that people make a living from when you have this kind of following, when you're going through the casting process, how do you truly know that you're casting people that will make for good TV and be there for as everyone loves to say, the right reasons. But as someone who doesn't have this kind of following nor makes that kind of money from every Instagram post, you know, I have to wonder, they all know what they're signing up for. This is a nice little incentive for exploiting yourself on national television. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, who's using the read into what you will now? You're saying exploiting. Um, It is. I would, you could not pay me all the money in the world. Maybe you could, I don't know. Put a number out there, but... I feel like Kelly's numbers are particularly interesting because she was a lawyer before this show. So that before the show, which traditionally they make pretty good. Well, money, they make pretty right? good money, but beyond that, she's not like McKenna was. Uh, I believe like a blogger. I think Kelsey was somewhat in that field as well. So like people that you would expect to have followings and whose careers are. I don't want to say legitimately, but I'm blanking out on another word. Like genuinely tied to your social media performances. To be an excellent lawyer and to gain more clients as a lawyer, no one's really looking at your Instagram followers. But Kelly resonated immensely with the Bachelor audience and had a gain of over 300,000 followers. She reached the finale with 402,000, having started with 13. Um, so that really jumped out at me, but then you look at Kelsey and she ended up with fewer total followers at the end than Kelly, but also started from a similar point. It's just, it's, I don't know. You just look at these numbers and they're such, they're full digit gross. Like these women are going from like low two digits to three digits. It's like, oh my God, I guess. No, like five and six. I was, I was giving it's the... It's still a big jump. Math the, is hard for both of us. <laughs> I was assuming that the thousand, like those extra three digits on the end were just included. I was looking mm. at Ks. <laughs> there, I, I hate not giving credit where credit is due, but of course I don't remember who tweeted this. <laughs> but someone was like, you know, like blah, 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 McKenna after she quoted her sixth TJ Maxx mug. And that's how I felt about McKenna all season is that she's constantly giving these like cliche, tacky, like life quotes and cliches and these winding stories that no one asked for, but are very typical of someone that maintains like that blogger lifestyle. They're never like one word answer. Like Kendall Jenner, she'll Instagram something and the caption is like nachos and it's like her in a bikini and she like looks incredible and it does insane numbers. But these women who make careers of becoming like lifestyle bloggers and influencers, they always post these long winding captions about like living your best life and chasing after your dreams and all this stuff. And why I really appreciated Kelly this season 
is because she was like a breath of fresh air on the show. Mm -hmm. She was like, this show is weird. And I'm just kind of like trying to embrace the experience, which speaks to, I think, most people watching the show. It does. And it's the absolute tough reality of... I guess, you know. But she did the best. Climate, that she has twice as many followers yes. as the Canada does now. It's like, I mean, it's it's what the people want. Like, okay, want that's what I want to ask you. You want interesting people and people that aren't that pop. Like, you don't want the TJ Maxx human being. <laughs> <laughs> you want TJ nice, Maxx. But, but it's like, like the live, laugh, loving of it all. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I want to know. Like, when you are watching the show, I think we went through this phase of, all of a sudden Instagram exploded and this influencer was not a word that existed, you know, 10 years ago. That was not a thing. Right. And now it's something everyone knows what it means. Everyone knows that you can make like a full-time living off of that. But there's so many, it's so saturated of a market. So when McKenna is 22 years old coming on the show, it's hard for me as someone that watches the show to be like, you're here, quote, for the right reasons. Whereas someone like Kelly who I feel like identifies with most of the audience, like, yeah, this show's kind of strange. And I'm just trying to, like, see if I vibe with it. And Peter seems like a cool dude. I almost feel like on a social media perspective, we're shifting from this hyper-calculated, edited version of reality. And we're slowly circling back to the Kellys of the world where we appreciate that organic persona. These are the thoughts that, like, they're, like, shower thoughts keeping me yeah, up at night. Yeah, I mean, thoughts. I am almost too cynical for that. Keep me honest, because, like, Thank you. Keep me honest. <laughs> I live in La La Land. to, like, um, organic or whatever, it's like, what is, what is organic on social media? Don't do that is to me. Is anything? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just, no. But I do think there's something interesting when, especially with someone like McKenna, um, or I think Kelsey, too, because I don't want to throw this all on McKenna. But when it's more transparent, where it's like, I think I think it's fair to say that most of these women went on the show with at least some consideration of the social media fame implications of it, because mm-hmm. I think I think that's a con if you if you don't go I think a reason not to go on the show is that you don't want that attention like I, I don't think any reasonable or rational woman or man is signing off for this without even considering it because it's it's a factor regardless so I don't I I don't want to <laughs> hate too hard on influencers professional influencers or professional people who make their living off of their personal brands because I mean, if if that's your chosen career path, like this is an excellent strategy to that. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think there's something TV-wise that obviously resonates more with a Kelly. And I think that's almost, you you saw that with Hannah Ann and Madison, where like Madison was so polished. And Hannah Ann probably was too, but there was something about her that's just like, I felt like the refrain we kept using was like, like kept it real. Like she was always real with Peter she was always real with like how she felt and like real and aware of the scenario that she was in where in varying degrees a lot of the women that we see aren't mm-hmm. but then of course the counterpoint to that you have McKenna on one end and it's like oh she didn't quite resonate Kelly really did and then you see Madison has 103 or 100 1.3 million <laughs> followers 
That's resonating with someone. It's resonating. And I, you know, I don't mean to shit on McKenna in the way that I have because <laughs> there is something about that that sells. She's on, out on TikTok dancing with her girlfriends and like yeah. there's, there's a part of everyone that Get like... Get that smon con. Right. Yeah. You know, like she is doing it and I, there's part of me that I see myself in McKenna. She's out there having fun. But I think there is a certain... Uh, relatable aspect that you need to cast into your shows and that's what we tried to understand when we talked to Alex Stern because she's meeting these people before they have that pseudo celebrity before they have this Instagram following before their numbers inflate from you know a couple thousand to like a couple million and it's like how do you know when you're sitting in a dark room and this person's chilling there for the first time what questions do you ask them how do you pick their brain Um, It's like dating, in a sense, right there in the casting room. I mean, we see those women walk out of the limos that first night, or you watch, you turn on any reality show, and you look at the lineup, and you think, because so many of us veteran reality TV watchers or not, (laughs) are a little bit cynical about TV and entertainment Mm -hmm. days. And it's like, you're looking for characters, you're looking for who's the villain this season, who's the hero, who's the, you know easy contender like Mm -hmm. especially if you play like bachelor fantasy or anything like that like that's the whole it's become part of the culture so i think we're all we think we know more or we think we're smarter about casting and all that yeah than perhaps we are and getting to talk to an actual casting director someone that works on these shows and actually can tell us like oh yeah this is what we look for this is what we want no we don't think about that like it (laughs) it was illuminating yeah, I think, uh, you know, I love to sit here on my high horse and be like, you know, McKenna's fake and she's calculated, but she's not. Like, she yeah. is a part of our societal structure in my Instagram feed just <laughs> as much as, like, the girls that I went to high school with that remind me of Kelly that, like, quote, unquote, keep it real. Mm-hmm. And you need all of that because at the end of the day, I it's no secret as we've recorded our podcast all season – I'm like, this show was boring. It was a boring episode. I always want the drama and the chaos and someone that's going to like throw hands in the mansion. But I think that at the end of the day, what resonates is that these people are real people who left their personal lives to adapt to this national hyper-edited production of a television series. So I think Alex, you know, this interview, as you guys will hear, she provided some insight and like kept it real with us and, you know, to sit there and cast judgment as a career in what's going to make for good TV, what people are going to connect to. Um, I really enjoyed talking to her. Shay, before we cut to the interview, was there anything that Alex said, don't give too much away, that really resonated with you or perhaps what was your favorite little tidbit that she shared with us? This is going to sound, I've been spending most of this chat talking about my cynicism, and so this is going <laughs> to sound sound uh, out of character but there was something really pure about what she said about what they look for contestants and she articulates it better than I could but the gist is somewhat like we're looking for someone who's willing to open themselves up to the experience and that is the single most important thing and like I said I'm a I'm a true cynic about people (laughs) that choose to go on reality shows and like I don't know. Because the numbers show. Like, why would I trust that anyone wants to be on this television show? Right. And like, even if you're looking for love or things like that, Mm -hmm. it's like part of me is just always going to think like, yeah, but it's a business opportunity. Yeah. And I think that reminder that that may be a factor of it too, but the ultimate like unifying element is this openness 
and this enthusiasm that kind of made me like, I don't know, feel better about the whole endeavor. (laughs) (laughs) It made you feel better about reality television. It did. Uh, It made me feel better about MTV. (laughs) Theme of our little chat here, uh, you know, uh, feel better about it all because we all consume it. We all love it. We love to act like we're above it. Everyone loves reality TV. So to speak with someone who's you know, out there in the trenches. And making, she loves it too. She loves it. And I think that's really clear in this interview. So um, before we talk too much about it and give anything away, right. <laughs> I'm going to pass it off to the interview. Um, I think you guys will really like it. We're on the phone with Alex Stern, who is a casting producer for Unscripted Television. For those of you who have listened along all season, we have dove into The Bachelor. We were obsessed with Love is Blind. And we've really become intrigued with what goes on behind the scenes. How do these people go from ordinary, everyday life to celebrities, essentially, with the Instagram following and this national platform? And we want to pick the brain of someone who sees it from the start. So, Alex, let's start from the beginning here. How did you become this casting producer? Well, first, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I get this question a lot, a lot, all the time. Uh, How did I get into this? There's not really schooling. You don't go to college to become an an unscripted casting producer. That doesn't exist. Um, So you just kind of fall into it. Uh, I happened to be working with dogs at the time, um, because who doesn't love a dog? (laughs) And um, a friend of mine got sick and he was working for a casting director in town um, and he said I cannot make all these phone calls can you help me uh, my boss said he would pay you uh, for the day just to work from home and make these phone calls and I was like yeah sure I that sounds amazing I can talk to people all the time no matter what um, and so I worked for this guy all day never met him didn't even know him uh, and towards the end of the day my friend said you know he has a dog She's she's big and she's black and brown. And I was like, cool, man. That's a great story. <laughs> and then he said her name is Digit. And then it clicked. Not only did I know the guy that I had been working for all day, but I had been picking up his dog at his home for the last three years. Um, so I guess I did a good job. Uh, the same casting director hired me after that. And eight years later, I'm still doing the same thing. Were you a fan of unscripted TV and reality shows growing up? Um, Yes, I was stone cold obsessed. I come from the era of, um, you know, I love money and rock of love and flavor of love. And I love New (laughs) York. Like that was like Tiffany, New York Pollard. Call me. She is my idol. Like she could do anything. She could do no wrong. So I mean, since the beginning, of course, real world and road rules, like, yes, I've always, always been a huge fan of Unscripted. That's awesome. So when you you bring up those shows, to me, that is like the root of reality television, Mm -hmm. absolute unscripted chaos. Um, We were watching, you know, The Bachelor last week, and it just felt a little little boring when you grow up with, you know, cat fights in the house and, you know, the real world and seeing these people. Um, What goes into thinking you can get someone from their normal, say, nine-to-five job. What do you see in a person to take them from their everyday life and throw them into that kind of chaotic, televised environment? Well, of course, their willingness to go outside their comfort zone. If somebody sits at a nine-to-five desk job all week, Monday through Friday, 
they've got to be kind of willing to break out of that box and go go do something that they normally wouldn't do. Um, but we do. We love people who are attorneys, who are real estate agents, who have that nine to five job and lifestyle. Although real estate agents work, I think, twenty four seven. But uh, we are looking for regular people with regular jobs who kind of are interesting. That's all you. That's all it really is. Is people who are interesting but also ordinary at the same time. Um, so we look for people who just kind of like are able to say, you know what, I need I need to do something else, and I and I'm willing to do something else. How conscious are you of sort of identifying or being able to see somebody that's good TV? So maybe they they're a little messier than someone that <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know might fit the actual ask, but you can kind of say like, ah, like that's going to be good drama. Is that something you uh, weigh heavily? I have to tell you, every single person, whether they show it or not, has that inner messy. And it's just the, it's the situations that they're put in. I mean, of course, some people, what we look for in casting is the people who are like willing to kind of go that extra mile to really tell you who they are. The people who are not ashamed to tell you their worst dating experience. The people who are not ashamed to tell you how many sexual partners they've had. And that's obviously an extreme because I don't ask that question frequently. <laughs> um, but it's the kind of unabashed, unashamed people that we know are not going to be afraid to show the world who they are. But as far as like people getting messy, like you put alcohol and you put emotions on the <laughs> line and anybody, anybody is going to tell you who they are and they're going to be messy. I feel like a little targeted here. I'm like, oh, I'm a private <laughs> person. But like you said, you put alcohol on the right person. They're an open book. Um, when you yeah. think of some of your the shows that you've been on um, for our listeners, can you rattle off a few of those shows and perhaps one of your favorites? Ooh, yeah, sure. Um, so I have done the trifecta of CBS, which would be, of course, Survivor, The Amazing Race, and Big Brother. Um, I have cast for Top Chef. I have cast for uh, Are You the One, Dating Naked, uh, and a whole bunch of Food Network shows. It kind of runs the gamut as far as uh, food shows, dating shows, house reality shows. Uh, but I have done quite a few of those dating shows that I know everybody's like, how the hell do you find these people? What has been the most challenging one to cast? I mean, honestly, uh, gosh, dating naked. I, I cast two <laughs> seasons. <laughs> I cast two seasons of dating naked, and I don't know. Can we curse on this podcast? Is this one of those? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, so receiving dick pics before nine a.m. was probably the best and worst thing about that job because I got to judge penises all day, every day, but like got paid for it. So Dating Naked was super, super difficult, but also extremely, extremely fun. Uh, we had to convince people to be naked on television and, like, date and get drunk and get messy. It was like The Bachelor on steroids. It was insane. Please tell me you had a work phone when this was going on. You weren't, like, out to dinner with your friends and it's just, like, bing, 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 bing on your personal. Um, when you're in casting, Google voice numbers are your best friend. So <laughs> to answer your question, it was technically a work phone, but it was definitely connected to my cell phone. Oh, my God. That's incredible. So besides the dick pics, uh, what's the biggest difference about casting for a dating show versus, you know, a survivor or an amazing race? 
I think for a, a dating show, you have to, again, look for those people that are kind of willing to open themselves up to you. And of course, people who are single, because you'd be really scared about the amount of people that call me and say, no, 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 my boyfriend said it was fine. I could do this. I'm like, I don't, I'm sorry, what? Um, no, we, you have to be single. You have to be willing to do it. And of course, we're looking for people that you want to date and by you I mean anybody so you have to be the person that like anybody would swipe right to on tinder or bumble or hinge so we're looking for that universally kind of catch that people want to see no matter what that is and different types of those kinds of people and when you say sort of that universal appeal that universal swipe um, how has then sort of Hollywood's increased attention to diversity and representation affected um, how you cast dating shows? So first, I have to say, like, going into reality TV, I was actually, this was eight years ago, I was so excited and also surprised at, at how much diversity came into play with what we do. Um, from the beginning, every show that I worked on, diversity had always been number one, Um and as time has passed, it's become even more important as the conversation about diversity um, has come into play. So if anything, it's just gotten better and better. And we can only go up from here. Like, trust me, like, I want to get to a place where diversity is not only a conversation, but it's not just half the cast is diverse. I want to get to a place where more than half the cast is diverse. And I think that unscripted TV is going to continue to have that conversation and continue to become educated because it really is super important for people to watch TV and say, hey, that looks like me. That's awesome. Um, and we had sort of talked a little bit through email. I think one of the coolest and still messiest uh, examples of that recently was the queer season of Are You The One? And I... I love Are You The One. It might be my favorite um, dating show. And I know you said you didn't work on that, but can you tell us a little bit about what it was like working on that show? Yeah. So I worked on season five of Are You The One, and it was such an amazing experience. And I'm so proud to be part of the family that kind of morphed into this fluid season that just kind of aired uh, within the last year. I'm also a huge fan. And can I just say, like, I was watching it you know, and I'm in my 30s now. I would never be on Are You the One because it's, it's you know early 20s and the kids that are drinking, getting wasted, and hooking up. I'm like, that's my former life, which is totally <laughs> fine. But I, I was just so so thrilled to see how many people were opening, you know, their minds up to that and accepting that season with open arms. And I had the hugest crushes on Jenna and Kai and Carrie. And I was like, my my little like, like pseudo lesbian bisexual was coming out. And I was like, very excited about it. And it's just like such, such a pleasure to see that kind of, you know, TV is opening themselves up to that. And I hope it does continue to go that way. Um, because everybody loved it. There was nothing not to love about that that season. Yeah, Kai was an all-time reality TV personality. Got to got to get him casted and everything. <laughs> I was I was like I am very attracted to this man and he's a like 10 years younger than me and B like I don't even know what's happening right now, but I was like, yeah, like ho hook it up. <laughs> <laughs> Going off of that, have you ever been ca like casting someone and you feel your own kind of like personal interest or bias maybe winning someone's winning you over but your coworkers or your peers aren't as sold 
Oh, yeah. This happens all the time. Actually, in the office last week, one of my coworkers was like, oh, I just interviewed. And this is for a baking show, by the way. We still have crushes <laughs> on people that are, like, not on dating shows. Um, my coworker was like, this guy's so hot. He's going to be the hot guy of our season. And I was like, oh, like, let me take a look. Like, I'm kind of like the dating show expert here. And I was like, girl, no, 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 no. I was like, the hot guy's got to be universally hot, not just like somebody you'd go on a date with. And she was like, no, I think he's super, super cute. And I'm like, no, 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 he's cute, but he's not like the cute guy. And so it definitely does happen where like you get attracted personally to these people, but it's not necessarily what we'd be looking for for a TV sense. Um, But that's fine, too. I mean, I, I also have friends that have met people through the casting process and dated them. Um, but they were never on the show. So if they want to go date someone who's not going to be on, on the show, like it's like your own personal matchmaker. But, I have good news and bad news. You're yeah. not on the show, but <laughs> can I take you out sometime? <laughs> but you could buy me a drink. Yeah. <laughs> Something we've been exactly. talking on the podcast lately, especially we've been watching The Bachelor all season, which we see these women go from, you know, 5,000 Instagram followers to a million has have you seen how social media media has changed the landscape of reality TV oh absolutely and everybody always says like do I have to have an Instagram to get on the show and like the, sh- the short answer and the easy answer is like not really but it's so helpful for us as casting producers and casting directors if you do have an Instagram even if it's just 500 followers so we could see your life. And obviously somebody who's like, oh, but my Instagram is on private. My first question is, then how do you think you're going to be on a show that's watched by millions of people if you can't even share your life with the few that follow you? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like, I want you to be on social media, but I don't want you to go on a show because you want to be on social media. You know, it's, it, you need, really need to, like you know, get your spidey senses tingling to the people who just want to be on TV to get famous. And I think that's where my, uh, I'm a little callous watching The Bachelor these <laughs> a days. Cynical. <laughs> a little cynical. little cynical. Because I do feel like, you know, some of these women, they're, they're 22 years old. Are you really looking for marriage? Are you there for the mm-hmm. right reasons? What triggers your uh, spidey sense when you kind of get that vibe? Some people are pretty, you know, clear about it, and they don't know that that's like a super, super big red flag and turn off to us. <laughs> Some people are like, I'm like, what's your, one of the biggest questions is what's your motivation for wanting to do this show? And we're looking, you know, for the answer of like, you know, I've tried everything. I've tried dating. My mom hooked me up. I've been on Tinder. I've been on this. Like, I go to meetings, whatever, whatever. I go to therapy to, like, find my inner self. And I'm just ready to, like, find somebody who is my match. And I'm hoping that this is kind of the next thing. Like, that's, that's the answer. But sometimes <laughs> people get a little too comfortable and they say that. And then they're like, plus, I want to be Instagram famous. And I'm like, ha, ha, ha. ha, ha, ha. <laughs> You're like, oh, my God, same. How yeah. cross that name right off your list? What are some of the other questions that you ask uh, potential candidates? For dating shows, we always want to ask people what, of course, what they're looking for, what their type is. Um, and that's usually kind of that universal answer of, of uh, for men, if they want like a over six feet. Sorry, guys who are not. Um <laughs> Over six feet, good job, good family life, um, you know, respects women, uh, that kind of stuff. And then for women, it's, of course, good family life, um, whether religion plays a part. And then, of course, the, you know, everlasting question of blondes or brunettes, you know, <laughs> boobs or butt. Um, 
so kind of stuff like that. But then, you know, we asked them about their worst dating story, the most romantic thing anyone's ever done for them. And honestly, I could ask them what kind of sandwich they like. And it's the way you answer it that kind of clues me into if you're going to be good on TV. I don't really care. I mean, of course, we want to know what you like in a man or a woman. But I really I just want to hear that you're a storyteller. I want to hear that you can speak. Have you ever regretted anyone that you cast? Ah, I saw that question in uh, the email yesterday. Um, no. No, because everybody that I do cast goes through so many layers of this, you know, of, of this process. And the ultimate decision is with the network and not with me. So anybody that, that has gone through me, which I kind of call the casting people the gatekeepers to the casting process, they have to get through me to get to the network. But anybody that gets on gets network approval, and I can never, you know, suspect or tell what somebody's going to do once they're on the show and once they're actually put into those situations. So even if I'm watching one of the shows that I've cast and somebody is, like, a total asshole, I'm like, man, like, I didn't know that, but cool. Like, that, I, I, can't, I can't speak for those people, and that has happened. I've been like, you know, kind of hung my head and like, you know, smacked my forehead a couple of times. But again, that's their journey. And at the end of the day, they still, you know, really love the experience uh, afterwards. So no, I don't really regret anybody I've cast, but I've done a lot of forehead slaps. (laughs) On the opposite end of that, is there anyone that you've casted that you were really proud of? Uh, Oh my God, of course. Um, So I mean, I'm proud of, we, in casting, we call them our babies when we like, when we find them and we interview them and then we like, you know, hold their hand through the process and like answer all their questions and their fears and, and kind of calm their nerves. Like they become like your children. And then of course you watch them on Big Brother and they're like having sex in the house and you're like, what is happening? <laughs> what? Why? Why is my child doing this? Um, but yes, I mean, we're proud of all of them who make the show, but like um, Joe Flam, who was on Top Chef, the season I worked on, he won it. Uh, Casey Clark, who was on the season of Big Brother 20 uh, that I was casting, she won it. Um, Elena Davis was on um, season 19. She has her own podcast now. She's gone on to do other things. Um, those are some of the people that I've put on uh, these shows. I'm like, I am so proud of them every single day. And even the ones that like don't remain in the spotlight, that just go back to their like everyday work life. I'm like, hell yeah, that's fucking cool too. Like, go f- good for you. You you did your thing on TV. You were remembered for what you're remembered for. And then you go back to regular life. And I think that's super cool, too. I'm almost impressed that anyone would be able to just, you know, like go on reality television, become a face on national TV, and then just go to work after a couple of weeks off. Like, good just for you. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, guys, I'm back. Yeah, it's super cool. I'm, I'm always really impressed with, with those people. And then they're not selling like the, the teeth whitening strips or like the, the face moisturizer or whatever the hell they sell on Instagram. Yeah, like teeth. <laughs> yeah, none of the uh, government approved uh, products that they mm-hmm. push on Instagram. So I have um, also been really into this season that just started um, of Survivor. And that's obviously a show that you worked on. Um, yeah. And, like, this season, like, the whole theme is, like, winners at war. And the entire cast is winners and, like, people that have previously been on the show. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how, and I think we see it um, sort of across the unscripted landscape of sort of reuse, not reusing, but having uh, previous contestants come back and sort of reprise their roles, as it were. 
How has that kind of affected the casting pool when you're looking at not just unknowns? Well, I will say I'm a huge Survivor fan on top of working on it. So I'm so stoked on this season. It's been so exciting to watch. Um, as a casting producer, like you never want to be working on a show and then all of a sudden hear whispers of them bringing cast members back because then you're like, shit, like, am I going to lose my job? And like, we're all free. We're all freelance. So if you have an all-star season or a winners at war season, like I'm out of a job, like, sure. I'm super excited to watch it, but like, I got to go look for something else now. Um, but it's super exciting because the game of Survivor has changed so much over 40 seasons. So to watch somebody like Boss and Rob and Yule and Parvati come back to play with these like newbies like Adam and Nick um, and Sarah, I mean, it is like super, super cool just to watch how the game has evolved and like how they find idols and how they use idols and this new currency that they're using um, with the coins. And I just think that, I'm here for it. Like I might be out of the job, but like keep bringing people back because it's so, so cool to see the game evolving and how people adapt to it now. Yeah. And speaking of how the game has evolved, um, I think another thing that we've seen with survivor, you know, over their 40 seasons is that people now very sort of openly talk about like having studied the game and being like, totally super aware versus people that just sort of know the concept in the early seasons and thought it'd be a, a good, um, a fun thing to do. So how, um, when you were casting Survivor, had you seen sort of the contestants or the application, the applicants, I guess is the word, change? Um, I'll say for Survivor, like they love the super fans. Like Jeff Probst is so super involved. He doesn't even want to look at anybody who's never seen the show. <laughs> um, but which is amazing. Which but back in the day, like there was not the super fan kind of didn't exist until more recently. Um so it's really cool to see people study the show. I mean, does it give them an advantage? Like somebody like Adam playing against somebody like Boston Rob like I don't know you'd have to weigh it out because Boston Rob is obviously like an icon and like I don't know I can't imagine him not winning but <laughs> um it's definitely a study like there are they call themselves students of the game and it's a really interesting you know new factor that's been thrown into it um in for me as a, a casting producer does that like entice me and do i get like super excited when somebody like knows everything yeah but then they have to implement it you could study something you know ad nauseum until until the day you die but you have to have that inherent ability as well like nobody is just like a student of the game and then that means that they're great at survivor like there's kind of that it factor which is something that we look for too that little something else that you can't put your finger on that says oh you're going to be really really bad at, at this game it's not just studying yeah before we let you go here um we have but spent a lot of time kind of being nostalgic and looking back at some of the dating shows of yesteryear particularly the aggressive ones on MTV, like <laughs> Next or Room Raiders, things like that. Date my mom. Oh my God. Date my mom. Yeah, we went down a, my a dark rabbit hole. Um, a lot of frosted tips and like popped collars. But are there mm -hmm. any of those shows that you would have liked to be a part of? Or is there one that's your favorite? That you wish you could have cast? Yes, that's the key I part. I mean, bring back Next. Yeah, bring back Next. That show was hilarious. And it was kind of like... 
you know, those next shows. Ooh, Fifth Wheel. Do you remember that one? That was a really, really good one. That was like after on after blind date at like two in the morning. Um, <laughs> I'm really, I'm really showing my age. People are like feverishly. Like, they're Googling Fifth, Fifth Wheel right now. Can you hear um, my keyboard in the background? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that there is such a clear pathway for unscripted TV right now and shows like The Bachelor have kind of like kept that afloat and I'm so thankful to that so yeah bring back next bring back Room Raiders my cousin was on Room Raiders she's like married with two kids now it's insane oh have her kids seen the episode or are they too young oh they're too young one of them (laughs) is like six and the other one's like three but yeah I hope she's got that uh, on on CD or DVD ROM whatever somewhere (laughs) Home video somewhere, yeah. That's incredible. I think, what was it, Zac Efron was on an yeah. episode of Room Raiders. I just learned that the other day as well. So Your go-to trivia these I didn't days. Know that. Me either. She's in good company. <laughs> They've had a great cast. So uh, great. Alex, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today and giving us a little insight to, uh, you know, behind the scenes, things that we don't get to experience on our television every week. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I am obsessed with reality TV and unscripted. And so to do it as my job is like the best thing ever. And so to talk about it with you guys is even better. (laughs) So I super appreciate you having me. That's awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Well, that was Alex. Thank you so much for listening. We will be recording all through the Bachelor hiatus um, and picking back up again when Listen to Your Heart starts on we don't know when it starts. Ooh, <laughs> April 13th? That well, sounds right. Yeah, I trust Shay with my life. I'm like, yes, April 13th. Perfect. <laughs> I don't even know if that's Listen Monday. Listen to your heart. You know, The Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise. We're going to keep this podcast going. And to do that, we need you to go in, like, listen, subscribe, leave a nice rating, say nice things, you know, good karma. We love to give it. We love to get it back. So make sure that we, you guys are out there showing the love. We love hearing from you. Any questions, concerns, feel free to email us at batch b-a-c-h at fansided.com we'll keep up our mailbag and we're going to keep the can i steal you for a second podcast going well beyond peter season we've loved watching along with you guys all season and we hope that you continue to listen along with us we'll talk to you guys soon